and welcome back to the Blanket Coverage Podcast. Today we got episode 309. We're going to be talking about college football week seven, giving our winners and losers, and of course, picking next week's, uh, quite frankly, awful slate of games, which means you know one thing, and that's that some top 10 team is probably going to go down. Uh, I am joined, I'm Noah Parker, I'm joined as always by my co-host Jack Wallace, and Jack, let's kick it off. Who won this weekend? Well, if we're going to dive right into it, I love talking about our winners and losers. We've been doing it every week. If you're new to the podcast, that's how this works. We round up our top winners, our top losers, and we all go through on who we think are the big dogs here in college football. But to start things off, we have a new kid on the block as my first winner, and it's Caleb Williams. Now, if you haven't heard of Caleb Williams before, then you better turn on your TV because this kid has been running wild up there in Norman, Oklahoma. The Oklahoma Sooners look like they were finally starting to crack a little bit with the once-star quarterback Spencer Radler pretty much falling apart is the best way to put it, uh, putting up very mediocre stats and not living up to any of the hype that he was preseason. But Oklahoma keeps winning because they still have all these five stars in their pockets, and we know that Lincoln Riley's smart enough to use them, as he's doing here because Caleb Williams has been pretty elite so far, even in only a few showings. So pretty impressive here by Caleb Williams out of Oklahoma. It was a 52-31 victory this week over TCU, which was painful yet expected. So um, it's not like we had any hope TCU was going to win this game. Again, I know we talked about it last episode of where we both were hammering Oklahoma money line on this game, which was not particularly shocking. But I do have to say, though, Gotta say here as a bit of a nod, Max Duggan can throw the dang ball now, and I'll give him that because in this game, 346 passing yards, four touchdowns, no picks, and a 67% accuracy, it really wasn't that bad. We know that's been a big struggle for him in nearly every game, and I I did not expect this. I, I think it's a slightly misleading because he had to throw the ball a lot. No Zach Evans still, in this game. But it still was good. Uh, get, yards to throw the ball. But again, against two freshman cornerbacks at Oklahoma, with the talent that they have receiver, he should be doing this every single game and against better defenses as well. Which um, is why I'm happy he did it this game. That's that's what I'm saying. Like I know it should be more consistent. Like, I don't think this is necessarily a step forward for Duggan. I think it's a good game, but I wouldn't necessarily go as far as calling it a step forward. Um, I, 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 we'll get to TCU later. I've got, I've got some comments. Um, I specifically do want to focus on the Tennessee, I mean, on the TCU side, um, of things in this game, but no, this was a great, great effort from Caleb Williams. Uh, we saw today, a uh, big drama as Spencer Rattler removed the university of Oklahoma from his Instagram bio. Um, and I don't know how to tell uh, Oklahoma fans, specifically uh, Lincoln Riley, this, but Spencer Sanders ain't playing another. I mean, Spencer Sanders, Spencer Rattler ain't playing another down for the Sooners. That that's just out of the picture. He will enter the transfer portal um, immediately as soon as he can. 
unless, you know, Lincoln Riley's got some booster paying him off in the background while he sits and waits for the end of the season um, and and to hear about some some team and roster openings. But, yeah, Spencer Rattler ain't playing another down for this team. 66 yards on the ground for Caleb Williams. That's an element that Spencer Rattler just did not bring to the table um, as an explosive rushing threat. 7.3 yards a carry. Um, but the story of this game, I mean, other than Caleb Williams, continues to be TCU's inability to stop the run whatsoever, uh, allowing 7.7 yards a carry to Kennedy Brooks, who is a great running back. I'm not, I'm not saying that Kenny Bro- Kennedy Brooks should not be running for that on you, uh, but it's been every single week, multiple 100-yard rushers, if not a 200-yard rusher in the case of Bijan Robinson. So, yeah, I mean, Caleb Williams playing lights out, uh, 78.3% passing, and this is just a different offense when Caleb Williams is involved. It's the level of offense that we saw with Kyler Murray and with Baker Mayfield um, that – we were not seeing with Spencer Rattler. And I think that's really an indictment on Rattler as much as it is um, uh, the case for Caleb Williams. So let's move on to your first winner. Who do you got here in our uh, week seven action? So my first winner is pretty much the entirety of the big 10 East, uh, because we're going to talk about the Hawkeyes. um, But with the Hawkeyes losing, I think this opens the door for I'm, not going to put Ohio State first, even though they probably have the best chance to get in of any of those teams right now. Um, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State all realistically have a shot at the playoffs. Now, they all kind of have to go through each other to a certain extent, but they all have a very realistic shot at the end of the playoffs. And I think the real winner is us, because as the season goes down, all these teams are going to play each other Um, And it's going to be really, really interesting to see how the Big Ten East plays out. But specifically Ohio State and Penn State here, they've been given brand new life um, by Purdue's uh, victory over number two, Iowa, um, to represent the Big Ten in the college football playoff. I think um, a a low-key loser here is the chance for, as we were saying last week, for two Big Ten teams to make the playoff. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, by any stretch but I mean who knows we could see a situation where I mean Michigan only has one loss somehow beats Ohio State loses to Penn State Penn State beats Iowa in the Big Ten championship and then Michigan uh, gets in as a one loss at large or something of that nature Um, but for Penn State and Ohio State obviously can't mess up uh, down the stretch here Uh, You do wonder about Michigan State as their schedule starts to get tougher um, and as Mel Tucker deals with rumors of LSU interest because that's another story that we haven't talked about yet. We'll get to that. Um, But he's one of the top candidates for the LSU job as reported uh, by multiple sources, including Bruce Feldman of The Athletic, who's usually right when it comes to these LSU things. He's very plugged in there. Um, so it's going to be a really fascinating end of the big 10 season. Um, I'm really not sure who the favorite is here. It's probably Ohio state, as I said, 
Um, but but I wouldn't count out Penn State with their ability to play defense. And if they can get Sean Clifford back and if Sean Clifford is playing lights out, um, they've got a decent chance to beat all of these teams. So, Well, the big decider on that's actually going to be next weekend because next weekend we have Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State, Ohio State, both those yep. games going on. Uh, Penn State, Ohio State is going to be in the shoe at 730. Uh, Michigan, Michigan State actually hasn't been determined yet when that game's played. So Probably a Fox find noon out. game. If I had to it, guess, it, that's yeah. going to be big noon. I, I would I would expect it to be that. But, uh, yeah, exciting times for a lot of these teams. My next team up here, uh, in fact, this one I thought was a little bit of a fun one given the fact that we have never touched this side of college football before. But I decided to go with the red turf. Now, we all know the blue turf field is up at Boise State and, of course, Boise, Idaho. But the red turf is Eastern Washington, the Eastern Washington Eagles of the FCS, your 2018 FCS runner-up. And you may be wondering why exactly I would have chosen something like this, given how it's a little bit obscure. But there was a performance out there in Washington that was unlike what we have seen in a long time. And I get that it's FCS, which I know is a little bit easier here. But Eastern Washington beats Idaho, who, if you remember, used to be an FBS school, 71-41. to 41. Quarterback Eric Barrier. Barrier, I'm not sure how to pronounce that exactly. Probably Barrier. Barrier, I think. You probably had it right. 600 yards, seven touchdowns on only 25 passes. And he was pulled after 13 minutes to go in the fourth quarter and still did all of that. Witt is one of the most fantastic performances we have seen from a quarterback at pretty much any like college football level in a very long time. So I, I wanted to have a special shout-out for a guy like that to do something that's just simply ridiculous. Um, I wanted to see also on that uh, level, it's, uh, it's a school record, and he also scored a rushing touchdown too. So with eight total touchdowns, it was also a school record. Uh, no other quarterback in Division One, FBS, or FCS has thrown for 600 yards this season. Uh, and it was also the eighth most passing yards ever by an FCS quarterback in a game. It's the ninth time this quarterback has thrown for at least 400 yards, which is it, saying something. So um, pretty neat here. They're actually Eastern Washington now is up to number two in the FCS poll. Uh, Sam Houston State is number one. So I just thought that was pretty neat. They're 7-0. and They're having a great season. Uh, just wanted to mention a pretty ridiculous college football stat you don't really see too often. And, and I mean, shout out to the Red Turf for that. I I have I have no comment, no response uh, to that. I I to be honest with you, I haven't even looked for a second at FCS anything. So honestly, props to you for finding that because uh, because uh, every now and then you know we got a lot of returning. Uh, characters we a lot of recurring uh, characters in our uh, winners and losers but injecting some new blood always very nice for and uh, given the- um given that we now finally have the share screen uh, ability for us because now we're on video I did actually want to uh, to pull this up just to show you what just it looks picture like of the red turf no exactly so I want to I have it up here in one second let me uh pull this up but um so here can you see it now so yeah yeah it's a it's a very bizarre field and the funniest thing is you can tell the the stadium itself is very small so this is what the logo looks like right in the middle i think the ew is so cool like wonderful logo really cool logo so 
You know, yeah, what I think it's kind of crazy. Is? I'm colorblind, and like whenever you zoom out, it looks green to me. This field, like, like normal grass. Yeah. Does that look like red? No, that one's a little. That one's a little darker. But like from from a distance, once I get up, once you get up close to it, and you start zooming in, I'm like, oh yeah, that's like bright red. But like from a well, distance, like at at first glance, so that. yeah, that that would that would look green to me. But that's wild. Now that huh. you zoom in, I see that it's red. Well, yeah, because obviously if I go super zoom, then. Huh. But like from a distance, you know, when it's smaller, and then like, and I'm if I was just like glancing at it, I probably wouldn't even notice. Hmm. But yeah, as you can see right here, stadium's getting renovated as well. So fun fact, they're getting a brand new stadium for stuff. So. Or at least for new stadium area. So pretty neat. But just uh wanted to shout that out. Be a fun thing to talk about. Put the man put that school in a power five conference. I mean not in a power five conference, <laughs> in an FBS conference. We got all this. I mean, they're linemen. they're actually right outside of Spokane, Washington. So it's uh they're pretty close to Gonzaga. But but here's the problem is like all of the schools that or all of the conferences that are trying to get like some of these better FCS schools to join are like primarily Southern and Eastern conferences, like the Sun Belt, the yeah. American. Which is changing hard. too. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, there's I actually been a big update way. with the American conference. James uh, Madison is, is a prime candidate to move up uh, out of the FCS ranks into uh, division one, a uh, the FBS, the football bowl subdivision, uh, Georgia Southern point. did it before. Charlotte's done that recently. Like I also coastal, just, coastal Carolina. Before we get too far off of Oklahoma here, I did want to want to update. Caleb Williams is currently sixth on Heisman odds, and I would guess that he's going to go. That those odds are going to go down significantly throughout the season. Uh, so you know, I still think uh, Matt Corral or a Kenneth Walker or maybe even CJ Shroud. Um, are probably better picks at this point. But I wouldn't totally count out Caleb Williams if he's just a stud that reinvigorates this Oklahoma offense. Like he's, he's, he's got to do – he's got to go pretty hard but if he wants to get that, though. But that, it's that's doable. A tough call it's, it, it, it is, it it's is, but you got to – It's Lincoln yeah. Riley. All right, okay. we can move on to our second winner now, and uh, you go on ahead with yours. Well, my we're not one normally for moral victories, uh, but in the case of the Kentucky Wildcats this past weekend, shout out to them for scoring points. They scored 13 points against a Georgia defense that is holding teams to only 5.8 points per game. Uh, that was obviously before this weekend. That uh, number has probably gone up, but... I mean, shout out to Will Levis, 76% passing, 192 yards. They just couldn't get in the end zone. They st He stayed clean. Uh, the problem continues to be for teams that play Georgia, and this is a big problem for Kentucky, whose primary, uh, primary method of moving the football is running the ball. Georgia ain't giving up many running yards. Uh, I can't find – let me see the total here. 27 rushes for 51 yards for the Cats on the ground. So this is, I guess, kind of a combo yes. winner because Georgia's defense continues to be one of 
if not the greatest run defense of our lifetimes. And Kentucky somehow managed to throw the ball for 192 yards against this defense without getting Will Levis absolutely crushed um, in this game. Let's take a look at the sack numbers for Georgia. I mean, they only had three sacks. That's pretty good. For a team that had oh, to is. throw the ball as much as Kentucky did, that's pretty good. That's more points than Vandy put up, obviously. That's more points than Arkansas put up, who was a top-10 team when they played the Dogs. So, I mean, props to Kentucky. This could be – if Alabama and Georgia both get in, do you think this could be a Sugar Bowl team, Kentucky? As of now, yes, but the one thing it's going to depend on is how the rest of the conference sort of shakes out, which I know is kind of obvious saying that, but I mean really more the other division that they can't really help because the only other team there that could really shake that up is going to be a team like Ole Miss considering they just keep pulling out wins, which of course we'll get to them later. But yes, if if we'll play along with this of Georgia and Alabama getting in the playoffs, which at this point seems like it's more likely than not. I think you would have a Um, tough time choosing between Ole Miss and Kentucky, honestly. Because Kentucky doesn't really have that much of an offense, but I mean, Ole Miss has zero defense to speak of. If the Joe thing Milton is, though, run out of bounds at the end of that Tennessee game, that's that could have been a win for the balls. So here's the difference, though. Kentucky's seasoned to go at Mississippi State, Tennessee, at Vanderbilt, New Mexico State, at Louisville. Not a super hard schedule. games for them. That's not a very hard schedule. And then if you look at Ole Miss, LSU, at Auburn, Liberty, A&M, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State. It's a harder schedule. It's definitely a harder schedule. So it I think if both of schedule. them, if both of them, I mean, we'll almost play the only ranked team out of both of them. They both have to play Mississippi State. Obviously, Vanderbilt's a free win, and Liberty shouldn't be. I mean, well, Liberty, I almost put them as a loser. They've been falling off uh, pretty hard, actually. Uh, had a pretty bad loss this week. I know they lost to Syracuse earlier. Yippee. But um, yeah, Liberty's kind of falling apart. That should be pretty simple for their old Miss. But. Uh, a and it will be difficult, but it is in Oxford, and then at Auburn is going to be a, quite a fun game. And LSU can always sneak up and get a win. I mean, they beat Florida this last week. They've shown they can be a a, a difficult team at times to deal with. It's just very game dependent. But... I just have a very hard time seeing that Ole Miss isn't going to drop at least one of these games, given They're how going bad to. that given how bad that defense is. Um, this offense is is very extremely explosive. Obviously, we know uh, what Matt Corral is at this point, but as explosive as the offense is, that was a really close game against Tennessee, um, who who is a better team. They're an improving team, but they're not a great team. Uh, and there were a lot of offensive mistakes in that game. And I get it. It's a tough place to play in Neyland. We'll talk about that in a little while. Uh, but but it, it's it's gonna be really really tough I think for Ole Miss to avoid even one loss uh, coming down the stretch. No, yeah. Obviously this week at LSU I don't or against LSU at home I don't think is much of a threat. Um, but Auburn could get frisky and hey, I mean Malik Willis walks into that building, doesn't see a defense standing across from him. Really, that game could get a little frisky too. Former Ole Miss head coach, by the way, Hugh Freeze. 
I do actually, uh, and that is true. That is true. I do want to share with you one stat before I actually continue on my final winner, which is also in the SEC. But there is only one team that is not named Alabama who has scored more points than Georgia this year, which Alabama has scored more points. Only one other team in the SEC has scored more points than Georgia that's it's not Tennessee. named Alabama. It is Tennessee, which is pretty sp- – only by six th- – or uh, six, yeah, so not by much. But Vols hold a slight edge on scoring, which I Look, would not have thought that. But, yeah, Georgia obviously points a lot. And it's not just running uh, Jalen Hurd or – in the case of Alvin Kamara, not running Alvin Kamara, which in retrospect is probably the dumbest thing Bruce Jones or Butch Jones ever did uh, at Tennessee is not playing Alvin Kamara, who's a star in the NFL and was as a rookie. Um, But look, this is not just running Ty Chandler and Todd Kelly Jr. into the ground anymore. This is an explosive offense that can dial up explosive plays down the field and really push the ball. Um, and we'll we'll talk about that whole situation um, um, here in a minute. But my, my why don't last you get thing to your... Yes, okay. which I'll, I'll mention this yeah. and then just roll on to my thing. But um, I, I, was, I actually found it interesting that Georgia, a slight note on them, they only have four road games this season and then two neutral and six home. Because the opener against Clemson was neutral in Charlotte, which was majority Georgia. And they have the neutral against Florida State. Really? For that? That's way closer to Clemson, South Carolina than it is. No, I I know. But it's still Georgia. Who I would say has still a bigger fan base. A bigger fan base, yes. But I would argue that that game was probably primarily Clemson. But even then... It's still Clemson 2021, which was not the yeah. Clemson that was supposed to be. And so that ended up being, I mean, now halfway through the season, a pretty average win, if that. I mean, they really, I mean, we've watched Clemson. I watched Clemson live last week when Syracuse played them, which we'll get to that game. But they really aren't, aren't really good at all, especially the offensive side was miserable when I watched them. Well, and there's and, an argument to be made that Kentucky and Arkansas are both better wins for Georgia. Uh, at this point, and I that. And, and it makes it where... That one was neutral, and then, of course, the Florida game is a quote-unquote neutral game as it is every year, but I I just think it's interesting that Georgia only plays four games technically in an enemy territory stadium that is their own home, which that's unusual. That's pretty unusual. So um, I would not have thought that. But, yeah, the only real true road games Georgia has are Vanderbilt, (laughs) which basically doesn't count, Auburn, which that counts, that's a significant one. Tennessee, which that does count, much more difficult, obviously, in Neyland than in, in Athens. <laughs> and then Georgia Tech, which and I don't know if you've ever been to a Georgia Tech George game, but it is seventy percent Georgia. So basically, they play two road games. This might make essentially this might make you uh, a little bit. Well, they're going to be playing in Atlanta two weeks in a row, by the way. Uh, this might make you a I'm little bit. I'm just saying, it's. Triggered. I'm not trying to dog. I'm not trying to say they're not the best should, in the country now because they are. Should the SEC championship count as a home game for both Alabama and Georgia? They're both in Mercedes-Benz Stadium like four times a year. At this point, basically, I mean, well, Georgia a lot more than Bama simply because Atlanta is. I mean, it's. But think about it, Bama always plays that kickoff game, and it's either in AT&T or Mercedes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. 
at this point you can you can basically give it like a bona fide game. Like they should both have their own locker rooms at Mercedes Benz because at this rate, <laughs> no one else is making the SEC championship this year unless things go well, no, really haywire. No, the, there's there's really I mean I get Georgia does have Florida, Mizzou, Tennessee, Charleston Southern Tech, and at this point the Florida game looks like that's like a I mean, I say it's like 80-20 in terms of an upset. And then Mizzou, absolutely no chance. At Tennessee, I think that's maybe – That's a just, frisky ball I, game, Jack. I, 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 don't ball love, game. I don't love Georgia in that game. I really don't. I don't I, – I, they played too well in literally every game for me to ever think – Tennessee like, oh, will cover. Blow it. But Tennessee that could be cover. interesting. Charleston Southern obviously is an FCS nothing game, but then – and then Georgia Tech, I, I don't have really any faith in that. But <laughs> that would be honestly probably one of the biggest upsets in the series history all time if Tech won that game, which I would almost cry. Even though, of course, that game means nothing if they lose that because they're still making the playoffs. But it's um, it's would still be pretty fun. But anyway, I'll, I'll move on and I'll actually get into Alabama because I was going to talk about my final winner, which I called the Yellowhammer bounce back which was Alabama and Auburn, both coming off of losses slash buys, but the last game was a loss, and both of them really showing up and playing really well. And I get they didn't necessarily play the best competition this week, but they both really needed to come back and look good, and they uh, and they really did. So um, so big shout-out to Alabama. First of all, for, of course, the XA&M loss was very painful for them, but then they played Mississippi State, and honestly, I knew it's it's the classic. Yeah, whenever Bama does have a rare loss, you know the team the next week is just going to lose by forty, which is what happened. So yeah, Mississippi State looked horrific. This game was done immediately. It, it was not really much of a game. Bryce Young looked fantastic. It I mean, it wasn't much of a game, and I think we all saw that coming. Um, Alabama Tennessee is coming up uh, this weekend, so uh, <laughs> let's see how that goes. But I do think it, could, I think it could be pretty entertaining. I mean, again, Tennessee's been uh, more impressive than I would have expected this season. So I think that it's, I think really anyone expected um, sitting at what now four and I know four and three is not great, but I mean the old Miss game was razor thin, and I don't know they've they've played Tennessee has played pretty decently um, this season. It's, it's all going to come down to the health of Hendon Hooker. Yeah, and the next three games could easily be losses, but I think at this point Tennessee is um, locked in a bowl game, given that they're four and three, and they have to play South Alabama and Vanderbilt too. So Tennessee's hey, minus hey. minus an insane collapse. Tennessee's going to a bowl game. As, so. a, as a as a semi fan of Tennessee, never ever count out Vanderbilt in that game, ever, for any reason. I just I don't <laughs> I just don't think that's gonna happen, um, and, and and I don't either. I hope I really hope it doesn't. And uh, I also wanted to mention on that note, um, Auburn a little bit too sort of counts, of course, in the Elhammer, and that was coming off the loss to Georgia, which was expected but still painful. But then the Arkansas game, I know that was a game that we actually disagreed on picking, and you ended up getting the right pick here, and um, and it was I mean. It was a pretty solid, clean match. I mean, Auburn came in and really just sort of handed them um, a big L. It was 38-23 in Arkansas. I mean, I know that it was um, not necessarily like Auburn's to lose, or sorry, Arkansas's to lose, because I do think that Auburn was still a good team coming into that. But this was, I still think, fairly impressive. So, no, I liked a lot of what um, Auburn brought to the table. 
So I think that that was uh, a pretty entertaining game. But now we can move on to your final winner before we go into our losers. So well, my final winner, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on, and that's because I don't think that they're that good. But they're good enough for me to recognize them in the winner's column, finally. Uh, And that is the Oklahoma State Pokes, uh, the Cowboys. Um, Look, Okie State got the job done against a Texas team that it was uh, five-point underdogs against. And Texas ended up coming out in this game uh, and, and getting a lead in the first half, and then they just blew it. So Texas choking uh, is definitely back. Texas is not back, but Texas chokes very much back. Um, And for that, Oklahoma State, we thank you. I don't think this is going to be a great team down the stretch, but between them and Baylor, one of those teams is probably going to make the Fiesta Bowl, sadly, uh, and play whoever (laughs) the surviving uh, member of the Pac-12 is at the end of the year. Probably, that sounds like an awful game. <laughs> probably Oregon. This is going to be a terrible game. I mean, last year was also a bad game uh, between Iowa State, who I think everyone thought was well, a good team. Yeah, last year. to be fair, to be, yeah, I was like, let me. Well, I was no, like, no, no, to, no. to pump the brakes a bit. They actually were deserving, and they were, they they were deserving. To but be but against an Oregon team that was actually worse last year, yet is somehow less exciting this year. There's like nothing about them. It's as so contra- weird how quiet as this As contradictory team is. as that sounds, they were way worse last year with Tyler Show at the helm, yet they're somehow far less interesting this year, uh, which to a football coach might, you know, might be a good thing uh, if you're just playing boring football and winning games, but they're not really winning games. I mean, they eked one out against Cal last week. Uh, they obviously have the loss to Stanford. Um, so it's, I, if I had to pick, and we should do this maybe next episode or maybe um, maybe once the college football playoff rankings come out, um, but we should start projecting bowl games uh, because I think the worst bowl as of right now is probably going to be the Fiesta Bowl because there is no second good big 12 team there's a fun one fun big 12 team other than oklahoma and that's texas and they're not even that fun they just choke and they're a big name and they've got some offense uh and they've got Bijan robinson but oklahoma state is not a fun team they're they've been pretty <laughs> underwhelming with the well, it's because that's what you get with a team with a very below average quarterback and a pretty solid unit around him which is a weird team, but that's kind of what you get here. I mean, we've been talking smack about Sanders for over a year now, and I think it's still pretty warranted. Yeah, no, it's it's very it's, warranted. It's still warranted. He's not, he doesn't even have a thousand yards passing this season. Which I really, I mean, I know a thousand yards passing is like nothing to turn your nose at, but that's pretty baseline for like a college offense. Um, is just being able to move the ball and push the ball downfield unless you're just the run the running attack that Georgia or Kentucky has. But I, I would have to look at the stats. I'm sure Will Levis probably has close to a thousand yards passing. I th- I just think Spencer Sanders has been around for too long to be this bad at college football. Like at a certain point, you're just not a good quarterback. 
but it really concerns me that he's their first option at Oklahoma State. There's no, there's nowhere else on that roster that they can turn. And I realize that you don't want to, bro- if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But you know, your counterparts down in Norman, it wasn't really that broke, and they really fixed it. Um, so that I'm not confident about Oklahoma State, but I did want to give them their flowers before inevitably they mess up somewhere along the road or maybe they just go undefeated into the big 12 championship get killed by oklahoma and then we get to see a terrible game between oregon and oklahoma state and that's just assuming that oregon wins the pac-12 championship which is absolutely not a given no it's not and we've seen how i mean at least to put it simply chaotic the pac-12 has been which it kind of always is i mean it's kind of like the pac-12 is just the western acc which is just like the disappointing, yeah. but they usually have a good team in I there. Mean, we, had Arizona State, we had Arizona State go down in Salt Lake this weekend. And they, yeah, because and of course we they were did. Talking <laughs> last week, you, you specifically were talking Arizona State, and you weren't wrong. You weren't wrong. They're still they good. They just, it's just Pac 12. chance to make the playoffs. They probably had the best chance of any Pac 12 team, uh, and they completely blew that. I mean, um, so Michigan State, you blow a game and that your odds plummet. But if you keep on I mean, winning, Michigan State's in look, prime position. So, I mean, Clemson's not Clemson's not going to the playoff. Thank God. <laughs> Crossing my fingers there, but I feel pretty good about that assumption. No, watching Clemson, them live, if Syracuse looked better most of the game, and if Syracuse looks better than you in a game, you're yeah, not going to the playoffs. And Clemson's not going to the playoffs, but. We could still have a really unfun playoff uh, this year because after all of this chaos, after we've been saying, oh, this is the most fun college football season we've had probably since 07. It's still Georgia. It's still going to be Georgia, Alabama, <sighs> Ohio State, and whatever fourth team they feel it bad Maybe Oklahoma. It might be them. It might be those four. Or, I mean, maybe, maybe hopefully, hopefully Cincinnati – gets in there um but if, any uh, of those if ohio state best. wins the big 10 they're not keeping ohio state out so no. i mean the new year's six bowls could be really really fun but the playoffs are might suck again uh is is all i'm trying to say here but let's get to the losers and going off of the big 12 i'm just gonna go ahead and get into my first loser my first loser is the four two five which if you don't know is gary patterson's uh he he was the pioneer of the four two five, uh, let's get five DBs on the field uh, to combat all of this air raid talent um, in Oklahoma. But here's the thing, and there was a great article, and I cannot remember uh, the guy's name who wrote it. I would love to be able to quote that article, but I actually just don't have it up right now. Um, but basically, he was calling for Gary Pat. It was a TCU alum on Medium.com. He was uh, calling for Gary Patterson uh, to mutually part ways with uh, TCU. Um, he got blocked by Coach P, of course, uh, because Coach P uh, can't handle criticism. I did um, see that, which is typical. Not, nothing, as nothing shocking Coach there. He tends to do. Um, but look. Let me pull up the Big 12 team defense stats this year. This is not going deep analytics or anything. 
But TCU is next to last in the Big 12 in defense. And this is from a defensive quote. Shockingly bad. Mind. Awful. Gary defense. Patterson. And would you like to know who uh, has better defenses than TCU? Let's, Texas. Take, let's take a listen. Texas Tech. Oh. Texas Tech. They gave up 70 to Texas and still. Tech, tech is only known for not having a. That's like their shtick they do. Is they not have less defense. points and less yards per game in every facet of the game. Tech has a better defense. Oklahoma has a better defense. K State has a better defense. The Longhorns have a better defense. K State still has one of the 12 years. Have a better defense. Than TCU, you know who the only team in the conference that has a worse defense than TCU is? That fun team from Lawrence. <laughs> it's Kansas, yep. and even they are only giving up forty more yards a game. Kansas has scored twenty-eight points in its first six games, mind you. Just to tell you how this bad is, that is. This is outrageous. Why are oh. we giving Gary Patterson a pass for this? Why are we paying him $6 million a year to recruit three stars and put out a defense that gives up 210 yards per game rushing? That is absolutely atrocious. Um, And I know I was a little bit sheepish about it. I wasn't even that sheepish. I came right out and said it. But now I'm being vehement about it. Gary Patterson needs to leave. This is bad. This is awful. He can't coach modern football. He doesn't know what he's doing anymore. He has a coaching staff entirely filled by his friends and family. Not really family, but Jerry Kill was in his wedding party. Uh, He just brought back the retread of Doug Meacham, and that's not working out to the tune of 12 jet sweeps a game and not giving Zach Evans the ball. This is not the TCU football uh, that we know and love. And I realized that they were still winning uh, when they could give up 60 points a game and still put up 60 points a game uh, and win shootouts in that fashion, but not in today's game and not with the offense uh, that Gary is putting on the field. It's no longer innovative. It's no longer in style and it looks bad. It looks really bad for as much for as much as we were talking about earlier, how Duggan had a good game. The offense this year against every team, pretty much except for Oklahoma and Texas Tech, who are both bottom five defenses in the Big 12 as well. And bottom five in the Big 12 means you are a bad defense. It's been really, really bad. And and that's that's my rant for the week. The four two five is on the hot seat, um, and I know uh, I know Doctor Stewart, uh, one of our favorite professors <laughs> at yes. TCU, uh, yes. was engaged in a Twitter conversation about it, and he was pointing out that I don't think Boschini or Donati uh, are in any hurry to try to chase Coach P out uh, for six million, but eventually one of those big big money boosters uh, has to bring up the idea because this just is unacceptable for TCU football and for the standard that Coach P has set for his own program. Uh, Yes, sorry. Uh, Sorry, let me get back to my spot. Um, 
Yeah, so for the losers on my end, I was looking at something else that was very disappointing so far this week, and that was the Iowa Hawkeyes. And Iowa was a team that we know that when they lost to Purdue this week, we had said before the game, Iowa State's schedule to close the season is not hard. Wasn't very hard. <laughs> yeah. It, we it like, isn't. We were That's like, the first oh, thing we said. First thing we said. There's a decent chance they go undefeated. Yeah. Sure. That is the first thing, as we said, it is not that bad. And they should go through with it, but maybe they drop something. And the first game, the first game in that stretch was Purdue. And what does Purdue do better than nearly anyone else in the country? Beat number Beat two. Beat the number team. two. They are the fifth most all-time in wins against AP number two teams. And I think that they have beaten – I think this is right. I don't have it on here. But I think that they have actually beaten more number two seeds as an unranked team than anybody in history. And so it's always Purdue. And they did it again. And actually, I wanted to say three years ago today was when Purdue beat Ohio State when they were unranked and Ohio State was number two. And that was the um, the Tyler – what was his last name? Um the Purdue, the Purdue super fan who had cancer oh, and who passed uh, after. Was it no? It was Tyler something Purdue. I need to find this, yeah. but um, yeah. Oh, I remember you were talking about. Uh, I mean, I really this is important because, um, either way, Tyler Trent, Tyler Trent, yes, and I think yeah, I think that's right. And so it's um, it was three years ago today and yeah and then now it's um it's just sort of wild that that was all three years ago today and then this weekend uh purdue does it again and so yeah purdue just always finds a way to do it iowa state is very or sorry iowa well also iowa state but uh, iowa is quite fraudulent as you can see as the title of this podcast or i guess down here but um yeah it's it's pretty bad we we knew that iowa was gonna have something at least i knew that iowa at some point was gonna screw up i had very little faith this team was still gonna make some kind of massive splash anywhere but um yeah it's still it's still pretty bad it's still pretty bad and you you have to win a game like this you can't choke this no and they can't choke it particularly in the way that they did it wasn't like this game was particularly close in any form or fashion. I mean, Iowa did have a chance to, you know, come back, get something going at the start of the first quarter. But it, it, it was like I, I listened to, uh, to the guys from the Cover 3 podcast talking about it after the game. And Tom Fornelli um, is one of the uh, – what I would suggest one of the foremost sort of experts on the Big Ten – and he he was saying that eventually we knew Iowa's defense wasn't going to hold up for an entire game and their offense would have to bail them out. And could their offense bail them out when their defense, which was playing incredible for the first half of the year, could their defense um, carry them to the end of the season? And the answer was no. They gave up 464 yards of offense to Purdue. 378 of which came through the air. They only forced one turnover, and Spencer Petrus threw three interceptions on the final three drives of the game for Iowa. And that's going to be the story, is that Spencer Petrus 
is totally not the sort of level of quarterback that you have to have if you want to be a contender for the playoffs. He's just not. He's not there yet. Um, Iowa had been getting a lot of short fields. Um, but, I mean, you and me both said coming out of the Penn State game that we thought Iowa was fraudulent. Their, and their resume, absolutely, uh, with their resume, they deserve to be where they were uh, on paper. But just in watching this team, this team has looked fraudulent all year. So I'm right with you there. Uh, but let's move on. I got my second loser of the week, and we can just kind of move past this because we already sort of briefly mentioned this game. But uh, no more Woo Pig Suey uh, for the rest of the year. I'm tired of the Arkansas Razorbacks. It was a fun start to the year. They are a program on the up and up. Uh, but a loss against Auburn this week, that, that, that was a big it's- one. Pigs um, on the barbecue tonight. And if you want to say that you have a good defense, uh, you can't lose to Bo Nix. True. Yeah, saying. that's I know we've talked about all we've talked about these teams a little bit, so I know we don't need to go too much in it, but um yeah, it's still pretty bad. You did <laughs> your call about this game was pretty spot on when you were saying like the time for this team being ranked has seen its course and that should be about it. And so yeah, proved to be correct thank there. You. Yeah, it's thank you, Hogs, for making the first part of this season fun. Uh, your services they are did. no longer needed, or yeah. maybe they are uh, when Bama. Uh, <laughs> when the hey, Bama who knows? Who knows? No, they're uh, not beating Bama. Let me tell my, you. That. Uh, oh no! Uh, my second loser here is one that I want to talk about a little bit because, and I know you um, always have talked about him. Actually, even before that, I've been to Syracuse, but wanted to mention here. This is actually a little bit of our preview of our Agony Olympic section, which we got some more for that. But Syracuse has lost for the third straight week. By a field goal. And all three games are winnable. And I will still sit here and say, and I will say confidently, that Syracuse right now is 3-4. and four. They could be 7-0. and oh. Syracuse 100% could be 7-0. and oh. Every game they've lost this things, year has been shockingly bad. A lot no, of things could happen, Jack. No, 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 no. But, but get what I'm saying, that like every single one of those games was a really winnable game down to the fourth quarter and was blown at the end. There was no game. And I've watched every single one of these games and there's yet to be a game this season where Syracuse seemed like the clear worst team. They were clearly dominated. There was no chance. I mean, there are a lot of teams this season that have lost games that you say, okay, well like even Arkansas Auburn was like, okay, well Auburn was the better team. They won. Not really much of a question. It was over. And that was sort of the end of it. And so then when you look at Syracuse, it's been just so tight every week and they just can't finish. And so that's why the loser for this week isn't just Syracuse, but it's Dino always covers Babers because he always finds a way to cover. He always finds a way to cover, but he just can't win. He just can't. And the Clemson game showed that again, a 48 yard field goal missed in the final drive. And it was actually, which we'll get to this uh, hopefully tomorrow or sometime before this weekend, but it was kind of an inverse of what happened with the uh, Buffalo Tennessee game where the losing team that was down by three was driving in on the final drive and had the choice of, you can either get a field goal that is manageable or you go for it and see what you can do. But the difference is that Buffalo was of course on like the what three yard line and elected to go for it and then missed and then game over Titans won. this game Syracuse decided to do the other thing that was, was, the opposite of what they needed to do. And that was kick a field goal. And let me, let me tell you this just to, to make my argument make sense here. 
Andre Schmidt, Syracuse's kicker, won the won the Groza Award in 2018. Best kicker in the country. Fantastic. Since then, oh yeah, thank you for for adding adding that right up here. Since then, this season, he is perfect inside 40 yards, and he is one for six inside outside 40. One for six outside 40. And Baper said, hmm, it's fourth and one. I have a really oversized rushing quarterback and one of, if not the top running back in the country. Maybe not the top, but like Sean Tucker is 100% up there. He's in the upper echelon of running backs. And it's fourth and a half yard. And so what do we do with 40 seconds left? We call a timeout and then kick a field goal because why would you drop the clock? Why, why would that make any sense to drop the clock if you're going to you know, kick a field goal? But we drop, we call a timeout anyway for no reason and then decide to kick the field goal, which, of course, is missed not even close, and then Clemson wins. And to me, it's just – it's a whole series of inexplicable coaching decisions because I don't know why – why are you stopping the clock if you're going to kick a field goal? Why not go for it when you have two great running options and we've been able to run really effectively against Clemson all day? Look, I just it, – it, I don't understand. I don't get the call. They asked about it in the press conference, and they didn't really know an answer, and it, I don't know. Let me – let me hit you with some knowledge. The Syracuse spread in this game was plus 13 and a half. Which is an awful spread. That was a it, terrible spread. You know what? Maybe so. I, no, that was, that was a bad was it, I would have taken that. A I was at work and forgot to bet it before the game. Oh, that would be the, that's the lock of the week. That would be my lock of the week. I live bet plus seven and a half. <laughs> And he's still covered, baby. Good teams win. Great teams cover. Uh, Syracuse is, in my book, a great team this year. And, you know, um, we have next coming up, we have to go to Lane Stadium to play Virginia Tech, which I'm aware lost last week and really isn't that elite. But I, I, watch us lose by two this week. Watch well, us lose by uh, – it's going to happen. Least, I just, at least uh, you don't have to go to Neyland Stadium. Which I almost had as a winner because like in the grand scheme of things, is it like Ole Miss through track for those of you who did not watch the game, this game was absolute pandemonium and Tennessee uh, had about four chances to win it at the end. Uh, Hendon Hooker ended up getting hurt. Joe Milton uh, threw a beautiful pass to the end zone that literally just ended up going through his receiver's hands in the end zone uh, with about four seconds left on the clock. And then on the Hail Mary attempt, uh, Joe Milton, who, if you remember, former Michigan quarterback, not really known for his rushing ability, um, decides to roll first off left. He's a righty. You never want your quarterback rolling left on a Hail Mary play. Second off, he just decides to take off and run from about the 30 with like yeah, four defenders was... in front of him and then just ran out of bounds. So that yeah. was the game. Uh, and, and 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 props to Tennessee for making this a ball game. It feels like um, a new chapter of Tennessee football, which I feel like I say uh, every single year. But this really does, it, it feels different. Uh, well, they it feel a little more complete and exciting than before. Right. Under Jeremy Pruitt, it was like, okay, we still have zero offense, but at least we have a little bit of a defense. Uh, at least now we can say that we have a little bit of a defense and we've got an offense. 
Uh, we have a legit offense. But all that to say, um, there was an incident on the field where play had to be stopped for about 25 minutes because Tennessee fans were throwing uh, a multitude of things on the field, mostly beer cans uh, and water but, bottles. But there were some fun additions. <laughs> but there was a golf ball, multiple golf balls thrown at Lane Kiffin, which like, who the hell planned to? I'm gonna bring a golf ball to this game so I can. There was a full it. bottle of mustard. There was a full bottle of mustard. Um, lots of dip spit. Pizza box. Pizza box fell on the field. A pizza that was, box. That was uh, pandemonium in Neyland Stadium, and everyone wants to clutch their pearls. I mean, the announcers, which Jordan Rogers went to Vandy, so he should have never been on the call in the first place. But Jordan Rogers, Aaron Rodgers' brother was clutching pearls harder than any person I've ever seen being like this fan base should be ashamed of themselves. Who was it? Was it Dari Noka on ESPN that said that Tennessee fans need to re-examine their lives? He he did actually, Um, but here's okay. But here's the reason. Here's the thing though, which I need, I need to make this point. The reason why that I thought all of that, besides the fact that it actually happened, which was absurd, but the real reason why I thought it was absolutely insane it's because there were 54 seconds left and Tennessee you had all out. three timeouts. The game was so not over. And that's what I couldn't believe because I was like, yeah, the odds are pretty bad at that point. And, I was like, this and, game is not even close to being and over. What we haven't mentioned what? what we haven't mentioned is that they called T I mean Tennessee a yard short on a very, very close fourth down call. I think it was the right call it was now, really close I think it was the right call I think he was short personally but I don't think any of us can say with the terrible camera angles that we had definitively yeah, all of the camera angles that we had for that particular play were awful um and I don't think that you can say definitively one way or another that he was short but you can't um, now, overturn that he wasn't. That's the thing. Right. The call on the field uh, was that he was short, so that call stood. Uh, but if he had been across the line, I think the call also would have stood. If that, I think sense. that's fair. I think I that's fair. Think Wait, was, their their angles were bad. But think about it. There had been so many injuries up to that point in the game, which we can talk about Ole Miss faking injuries another time, uh, but I've never seen so many cramps on a crisp 50-degree night in Knoxville next to a river. Um, Yeah, we should talk about that at some point. But (laughs) for all the collective pearl clutching, uh, this could have been so much worse and really was not that bad. But it's still you can't do that. As fans, you still can't do that because at the end of the day, you, you still have to respect the game, and you the can't throw garbage also, on your own field. The game also started at seven thirty Eastern time, and it was midnight in Neyland by the time that happened. And if you know, if you've ever been to a Tennessee game, you know that uh, the people of Knoxville love to drink. Um, and well, they but then that's their own early, fault. You can't do it often. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I that's would, then their own fault then. I mean, if well, you're going to get yourself drunk I'm not and do trying something to stupid, trash. Cool. I'm not trying to trash any other fan base. I'm just saying this isn't going to happen to Alabama because, you know, Alabama fans, they're like, oh, we win all the time. I'm a bandwagon. Yeah, I became an <laughs> Alabama fan three weeks ago. Yeah, cool. Roll Tide. Um, I would not put <laughs> Well, put tell us how you really feel. <laughs> I would not put this past LSU fans. Yeah, yeah. 
I would not put this past Mississippi State fans. This actually happened at an Ole Miss Tennessee <laughs> basketball game in 2019. When the I know people brought that up, and, and but I was like, two wrongs don't make a right either. Like just because Ole Miss did that wrong doesn't mean that Tennessee has free reign to do whatever they want. I would not put this past Georgia fans. No, absolutely not. And honestly, I don't think. I think nowadays not enough South Carolina fans go to the game for this to happen. I wouldn't put this past Florida fans. I would put it past Vandy fans if they had any. Maybe Arkansas. Yeah. I would I would put it past all. They've been they've been nice. I went to an Arkansas yeah. game in Fayetteville. No, 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 they're no. they're fine. Again, I'm not trashing any one No, I know, I know. I'm just I just wanted to specifically not, shout out Arkansas as not being too I'm bad. I'm just saying that like this was a point that Brandon Walker from Barstool made. There is, there are so many other fan bases in the country that are entirely capable of this, um, and Tennessee just chose to do it because Tennessee fans are fed up with awful refereeing. Yes, but uh, clearly doing it is worse than being capable of doing it. Right. No, I'm. I'm not. That's not what I'm arguing. I'm just arguing that, like, for all the collective pearl clutching, we're probably going to forget about this, except for, like, the one time a year that it comes up on, like, Twitter. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, as all of sports news is, it'll age in three seconds once you're done with it. Like, the whole Deshaun Watson news that's going around that may be happening. So, like, like that, too. Next year, we're not still going to be talking about, even probably at the end of this season, like, Oh, the horror! Tennessee fans threw beer cans on the field. Like, chill out. Well, it's it's the no news that's now. We, we know how that works. No we know the news to well enough. Re-examine we their that. lives for throwing a beer can on a football field. No, again, it's 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 the soundbite. It's the, we know news well enough to know they're just gonna say that to say that. But uh, but now let's let's see. Is there anything else you wanted to add in winners and losers before we move on? Um, my honorable mention for a loser is Hook'em Horns. Uh, we already talked about that game, but Texas is definitely, definitely not back. Which is always nice. They we love when the year, when, every year when it happens. Every they year when it happens. two games in a row against both Oklahoma teams, and I think one of those teams is very clearly better than the other. Yeah, I, I made fun of a, a friend of mine today who wore a Texas shirt to class, which, mind you, he's from California, so I was sort of like, let's not do that. We don't need to wear that today. And he was like, well, didn't didn't Texas already beat you? And I was like, that's not really a big accomplishment this season, and Texas already played themselves out of being relevant. So congrats for being equally as relevant as us. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, you can you can be bad and still be aware of other teams that are bad too. So it's it's always there. Uh, but now we can look at um, just any other sort of games I wanted to uh, just touch on for a second before we talk about our Agony Olympics. Uh, Florida got another ranked team uh, down with losing to LSU unranked. And LSU also then will officially now be losing at Ogeron at the end of the year. We kind of knew this was coming, but this week was basically official that that's and, now going to be done, and, which and I get it. It's just – Talk about a two-year turnaround. Did you have you gotten the chance to read the uh, athletic report of why that went down? Um, I will try to screenshot that and send it to you because there are a lot of allegations uh, being made against Coach O. Not like 
necessarily sexual assault allegations, but it's basically a whole storm of things to where after the national championship, he got divorced and then he started essentially chasing women and he would like bring them to practice and let their kids play in drills with the teams. Oh, coach. (laughs) So like I, he is an odd man. That's, not true then i will defer to the athletic report uh that that told me that that was true but if that is true like holy hell man <laughs> like, yeah you should oh, be fine yeah so we'll, we'll see if any of that comes out uh, only other news uh byu loses to baylor on the road which was pretty pathetic um, and then San Diego State keeps on winning. So another fun kind of smaller team. San Diego State uh, beat San Jose State in double overtime. Uh, they play Air Force this week, which is actually one of the few games I'm highlighting because it's one of those smaller conference games that I think actually be a pretty good game. Air Force has been a pretty good team this year, and San Diego State's been great. So San Diego um, State has the second-best defense in the country as far as EPA per play. So they're, they're really good. I mean, really, I'll give them credit. They're a very solid team. Um, other games here, um, Ohio Buffalo is a game that I never would have talked about, except there was a 99-yard quarterback scramble, which that has literally never happened before. So pretty cool there that, that in FBS history, nobody has ever had a 99-yard quarterback run. But it happened in this game, which was a cra- crazy play, too. I don't know how he pulled that off, but uh, pretty wild. Um, UNC Miami in a game that would have been really cool preseason – Nobody cared about it this week, but it was an 87-point game, which I feel like that always happens in the Coastal. The Coastal has no defense, and uh, UNC pulls out the win. Uh, Pittsburgh, Virginia Tech played. Panthers are now 5-1, and and honestly, Pittsburgh is a pretty good team. I think they're actually pretty – for ACC standards, they're a pretty good team. I I thank you for that caveat for ACC standards because they're not awful. There is an entirely different standard in the ACC – uh, than exists in maybe the rest of college no, I, football. I, I know it's not very good, but all I'm saying is that Pittsburgh is going to make a pretty decent bowl this year. This and is I like, think saying, like, like saying, yeah, the Giants are pretty good by NFC East standards. No, no, because the Giants are actually pretty, a bad team. Pittsburgh's right, not the a bad Giants team. suck. Maybe, maybe, no, maybe, maybe it's team. like saying, oh, the, the, the Washington football team is good by – NFC East standard. Yeah, because they're not terrible. They're just pretty average. So it's um, only other games in here. Uh, UTSA still unbeaten. They're actually ranked for the first time in program history. Uh, they blanked Rice, which was typical, but good for you, seven and zero. Let them play Notre Force Dame in the Independence Bowl. I want to see fun. that. <laughs> uh, Air Force and Nevada also both won, which I know I talked about SCSU, but yeah, the top of the Mountain West is not Boise State, like we kind of thought, but. Uh, the Mountain West race has actually been pretty entertaining this year, so good for them. But now we can move on to my favorite section, personally, and that is the Agony Olympics because, oh, we want to see who's going to win gold this week. I know we talked about some of our candidates up here about Syracuse losing to Clemson in a game that they had every card in the book to win. Uh, TCU is also a candidate for here, getting absolutely rocked by Oklahoma, as we do um, traditionally, um, and against the backup, which we know is much better than Rattler, but Still, like, you couldn't have done better than 52 points given up on defense. Uh, Arizona, they're still losing. Uh, Arizona's losing streak is now at 18. Uh, They lost uh, to Colorado. They got shut out by Colorado, 
who is awful. And so uh, Colorado is one and four in this. Colorado was coming to this game at one and four, and they blanked Arizona. Um, Vanderbilt mention, almost won. Sorry, not to mention that Arizona's uh, quarterback is out for the rest of the year. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Um, Vanderbilt almost beat South Carolina. South Carolina wins on a field goal in a very pathetic game, but oh, it's agony I thought it was going to happen. Vanderbilt oh, had Mandy it. To win an SEC game oh. this year, and it, for it to be it. against South Carolina would have just been so common. So, uh, and also, um, Liberty begins with an L for a reason. They lose to ULM, which oh man, this team actually had like serious, like pretty decent high hopes preseason as a really good independent team. And they have disappointed heavily. Um, and only other one on the agony Olympics, which I may have to give to Yale because for the first time this year or last year, UConn wins. The Huskies finally win a game and they're now one in seven, but they did beat Yale. So congratulations to UConn for finally winning a game. So uh, who is Rare. your gold medalist in the Agony Olympics this week? I want to know your pick for who gets my gold, gold medalist in the Agony Olympics. Oh, boy. Probably There's a lot honestly, of good choices. <laughs> probably South Carolina. Like, I know that they won the game. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but you're an SEC team. Vandy is, like, more of an honorary SEC team. In other they're sports, the- we Bandy's like the Alabama of baseball. That's great, and they're pretty good at basketball. Scotty Pippen Jr. back this year. They're, like they're, they're really basketball. They're really good in baseball. Phenomenal program there. Uh, their football program is arguably probably their worst program on campus. Ironically, so at least they have um, cool uniforms. <laughs> and the fact that this was even a competitive game against South Carolina tells me everything I need to know about the South Carolina Gamecocks. <laughs> Bet every penny against them the rest of the season. They but, um, are horrendous. Oh, God. So, yeah, I just wanted to, to shout that out. My personal gold medalist is going to be Syracuse only because they've lost now three times in a row in games that they really should have won. And this one probably on the most boneheaded coaching call on all three of the games, um, especially against a Clemson team that we know is not the best team in the ACC. But it, this would have been the biggest pedigree win, and we had it right there and just fumbled it away. And so it just – it's just – that's pain, absolute pain. Uh, so we can now sort of wrap up with some other things before we get into our picks, and that's going to be first off the undefeateds going down this list really quickly. And we have at 7-0 and three teams, and that's number one Georgia, number three Oklahoma, and number nine Michigan State. And then at 6-0, we have a whole bunch more. Uh, Cincinnati at 2, Michigan at 6, Oklahoma State at 8, Coastal Carolina at 14, Wake at 16, SMU at 21, San Diego State at 22, and finally UTSA at 24. So every single undefeated team is now officially ranked. College football playoff odds are fairly predictable, but to still go through them, Georgia has a 90% chance of making it. Second is Oklahoma with a 62% chance of the obvious drop-off. Then Cincy at 61, Bama at 59, Michigan at 38, Ohio State 36, and then actually Pitt at 15%, which is interesting, and then Michigan State at 10%. If, if that goes to show you about Big Ten competition. If to Pitt why- makes the playoff <laughs> this year, I will get a tattoo somewhere on my body. Can it be of Pitt? <laughs> No, it will not be of Pitt, but I will get a tattoo. If if Pitt, 
<laughs> Watch them. They're going to like lose next week and then be over. I mean, it's yeah. – they they're lost not. to Western Michigan. They're not There's making no the playoff. Way. The ACC is not making the playoff. No, it's impossible. Uh, next up, we then have our AP Top 25, and with that, it is Georgia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Bama all move up a spot as well as Ohio State. Penn, Michigan is up two, now to six. Penn State stays steady at seven. Oklahoma State shoots up four spots to number eight, Ooh. which is very interesting. now unranked three-loss Texas team. Ah, it's so bad. Uh, Oregon and Michigan, I think it's just to give Iowa State the plus if they win. Uh, Oregon and Michigan State both go up a spot. Iowa sh- fall- collapses down nine to be out of the top ten, which they deserve. Uh, Ole Miss, Notre Dame, Coastal Carolina all move up one, and Kentucky drops down four. Uh, Wake Forest stays at 16. A&M and North Carolina State both move up four spots each to 17 and 18. Auburn and Baylor fill in the 19 and 20 spots um, from the unranks. And SMU and San Diego State move up a couple. And the final three spots are actually all unranked teams too. That's Pittsburgh, UTSA, and then Purdue all coming in at not ranked. Teams that dropped out are Arkansas, Arizona State, BYU, Florida, and Texas. And then your receiving votes are Clemson, Utah, Arkansas, BYU, and Air Force. I think it's a rule. I think it's a rule that the AP voters collectively have that you have to have either Auburn or Texas in the bottom half of the top 25 at all times. You have to. You have to. You (laughs) have to. Because they play – they're too big of brands and they play too many games that you have to promote. you got to have – one of Auburn or Texas in the bottom half of the top 25 does not matter how good they are. I think Auburn and Texas could both be zero and seven and you would put one of them in the bottom half of the top 25. <laughs> They'd find a way right. to be like, Oh, good loss. 25. And next up, we're going to have our picks. Always a fun spot. We'll try to get through these pretty quickly. I know we're now over an hour, but we'll get right through them. And just FYI, this slate for week eight, week eight is pretty bad, but fortunately week nine is actually looking pretty good. So it looks like next week we'll get in some great picks for Halloween, but this week not too great. But we'll start it off with Wake Forest against Army, and the only reason why I have this one on here is it sounds like an awful game, but only because Army's four and two, and they've had a pretty better record than anyone thinks. Unfortunately, those four wins have been against pretty bad teams, and their only two losses are against good teams. So I think Wake's going to win this pretty easily. Yeah, I've got Wake in this game too. I I just I don't see Army pulling this off. I really don't. The thing is for Wake that I'm very interested to see is that the week after that is against Duke, who's awful, and then you have North Carolina, who's been very average, NC State, who's pretty solid, Clemson, who's been average, but it's at Clemson, and then you have Boston College on the road. So that's what that's I'm, I'm very tough like, games in a row. That's that's. That's like that's gonna be tricky. So I'm very interested to see um what'll sort of come out of that little list there, just because I think that'll be on that list. Next up, we then have Oklahoma State against Iowa State in one of the better matchups here. And I'm gonna have to roll with Iowa State in this one. I know it's unranked versus number eight, but it's also in Ames, and we know crazy stuff happens in Ames every year. Iowa State always beats some big team every season. It's what they do. And pretty much every time it's at home when they do it. I know it happened to TCU, sadly, a few years ago when we came in at number four. Um, And I actually think that team was better than Oklahoma State at the time. Uh, Like that team at number four than what Oklahoma State is at number eight. So 
I, I don't know. I, I I think Iowa State's been a little disappointing this season, to say the least. We know Purdy hasn't been great, but this rushing offense is really good, and their defense has put up some really solid numbers, and I think actually better than Oklahoma State's numbers. Uh, they both have allowed the exact same amount of points at 58 each, but Iowa State has scored almost 30 more. So I, I like Iowa State in this game as a big upset. Yeah, and Iowa State has the better defense on paper, but I think in practice, given the schedule that Oklahoma State has faced versus the schedule that Iowa has faced, um, I'm going with Oklahoma in Oklahoma State in this game. Uh, I think their defense is going to be really be able to cause some issues for Brock Purdy, and they're not just going to be able to lean on Brees Hall uh, for the entire game. Again, still not very confident in Spencer Sanders, um, but I, I am moderately confident in this Pokes defense to be able to get it done against an Iowa State offense that has looked really, really bad against the good teams that they've played this year. Next up, we have Oregon versus UCLA, and the Oregon Ducks are a team that has been kind of hyped up but then kind of fell back again, and the Stanford loss was pretty bad, and then the Cal win by only seven was not exactly a lot to leave faith with, so – I think I'm going to still be rolling with Oregon in this one, even though I'm not really confident in them, but it's not like UCLA's done a lot recently to be extremely confident in either. Um, I know they beat Washington, but only by a touchdown and they beat Arizona, but only by a couple of scores. And frankly, I don't think either of those teams are very good at all. Well, the fact that the spread of this game opened at three points for Oregon um, worries me a little bit, but um, I, I'm not going to put too much stock into it. Um, there has been a lot of line movement. Uh, so right now on FanDuel, you can get uh, Oregon – sorry, UCLA minus one and a half. Oh, I don't like that at all. I'm switching my pick here. I'm going with UCLA because uh, this feels like a game where Oregon should be favored and the fact that UCLA is favored – um, on a lot of books right now is is really throwing me off. And you can check because I'm on a different website than I'm normally on. Uh, so you can check me on that line. Uh, right uh, Oregon, Oregon is uh, plus two. Yeah, yeah. So that line has moved all the way out to two on some books. Um, I, I, I like UCLA to cover that. Um, I feel like Oregon should be favored. And the fact that they're not uh, tells me that Vegas kind of knows something. Uh, that we don't. So, yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to change to UCLA in this game. Uh, get you one different there. A really interesting game this weekend, though. Uh, perhaps the most interesting of the weekend, dare I say, is going to be Clemson versus Pitt. Uh, now, I think the road ends here for Pittsburgh. Um, I, I, I don't trust their offense. Um, against a pretty stout Clemson defense um, as as much as they have had their fair share of struggles on offense they have not been letting teams score a ton of points against them uh, so I think the buck stops here uh, for Pitt. the bus stops here for Pittsburgh I'm going with Clemson I think they're just going to out coach Pat Narduzzi I <laughs> Pitt's offense has been incredibly impressive so far this season. And when I say incredibly impressive within the, within the ACC, at least they've scored 43 more points than anybody else in the conference. And they've done so pretty easily. And that's not the saying last, that much. 
Well, but they're still playing within the conference, and so is Clemson too. And Clemson's offense has been objectively far, far, far worse than what Pittsburgh has seen. And based on at least what I watched this weekend, now I know that Syracuse's defense is actually pretty good and their offense is pretty bad. At least seeing that game, Clemson was held in check very, very easily. And, okay, and but can I read – I don't mean to interrupt, but can I read you the Pittsburgh Panthers schedule? Oh, yeah, I know it's not good. Yeah, I get it's not against good. <laughs> UMass, 77 against New Hampshire, and 52 against Georgia Tech. So against, against good opponents, who I would call good opponents, you've got Tennessee where they scored 41, Western that's Michigan impressive. they lost and scored 41, that's, and then Virginia oh, Tech they good. Virginia Tech, they only scored 28, and I think Virginia Tech has a decent defense. So I think against a defense with as much talent as Clemson has, I think they're going to really struggle. I just – I I mean, again, I'm coming off of a week where I, I just watched Clemson live. I was there for every snap. I saw that game, and I just barely saw anything out of Clemson that made me really impressed at how they were. They were not a very good team. Syracuse basically shot themselves in the foot in that game and should have won it, but instead really just sort of blew the game themselves. I think this could be a big moment for Pittsburgh to step up and get a win. I think they're a very solid team. I think their quarterback is among the best in the ACC with Pickett. I just, I have a lot of faith in this team. I think they're going to get a big win here. Well, Syracuse is favored by three and a half, but just throwing that out there. That what? Sorry. They're favored by three and a half against Virginia Tech. No, against Clemson. Oh, last – oh, oh, they were fa- – I thought you were saying they are. I was like, what? Oh, no, they okay. are. Pitt is favored by three and a half. Oh, you said Clemson. Syracuse. I was like, what no, are you no, saying? No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's – I think that's fair. Um, next up is then San Diego State against Air Force. I kind of previewed this a wee bit beforehand. But um, I, I'm, I'm still kind of on the fence about this, but I think that this may be Air Force – coming out to get a big win here. They've looked really, really solid. They've had one loss that was against Utah State that was kind of an outlier because they had a really poor defensive performance in that game. But every other game this season, they've played really good defense. And I get they haven't had a very difficult slate of teams, but it's also the Mountain West. But they've still played pretty impressively in all of these games and have a really, really, really good rushing attack with Brad Roberts, who has been fantastic fantastic so far this season 142 yards and two scores 33 carries 140 yards and a touchdown 138 yards and two touchdowns those are just his last three games so i think that he can put up that kind of play against a team in san diego state it's also at air force air force is favored by three and a half in this game i i like air force a lot here i think they can pull off a really big upset and you know and other point too i get that San Diego state does have a good rushing defense. Both these two teams rely extremely heavily on the rush and both of them have a really good rush defenses, but at least with air force so far, they've been tearing teams up on that run. Well, the fact of the matter is that air San Diego state has a better rushing defense than Georgia against a team that exclusively runs the football. But have they played teams who have exclusively run the football as well as air force this year? I don't know. I haven't watched much San Diego State. I'm going off of what the numbers they, ha- they haven't. And they the haven't. number the numbers tell me that Air Force is going to struggle to run the ball very well against San Diego State. I will be all over that plus three and a half, by the way. 
Um, I think San Diego State will too. I mean, Air Force has a top like Air Force. Okay, here's the the thing here. What Air is Force the number one? Done. What is the one number of rushing one. defenses? But it's not better than one. Statistically, on paper, San Diego State has a better rushing defense than one of the greatest rushing defenses we've ever seen. But do you know who the number one rushing offense in the country is? Probably Air Force because they don't pass the ball. They (laughs) run triple option. But that still is impressive. I mean, it's every single year the winner of the Commander in Chief Trophy like leads the nation in rushing because they don't throw the football because they run the triple option. Let me actually find this one thing. We can move on. I just I just want to hit this rush defense real quick. Yeah, so it's it's number one versus number one. And then here's the other point. Air Force has the number 10 rushing defense. San Diego State has the number one rushing defense. And sorry, let me find to, to compare it. And then rushing offense, Air Force is number one. San Diego State's number 20, or sorry, number 19. I think that difference is going to help them here. I think they can pull it off. All right. There's well, there's the case. Agree to disagree. Um, always good to have some disagreement here. We actually uh, have a lot of games differently this week. We usually next, only have like two or three. There's a lot. Next up, and it's because the slate is so bad. That's why. That's true. That's very uh, true. Next up, we've got USC versus Notre Dame. Uh, and I'm going to go with the Trojans here. Reason why is because we saw what happened, and, and I'm not, I don't think USC is a good team this year. They're kind of a lost cause, especially on defense. But Notre Dame doesn't exactly have the offense that's going to be able to put up points on you. And we saw what happened in Cincinnati or in uh, South Bend when Cincinnati came into town, and they had a receiver put up 12 uh, receptions for like 240 yards, and I cannot remember the guy's name for the life of me. Uh, the the receiver number 12 for uh, Cincinnati. But let me tell you something. Drake London and Keaton Slovis are about to have a field day against this Notre Dame secondary. A field day, I tell you. Um, this one is going to be a really interesting game. Uh, I expect USC to try to piss this game away about five times before they eventually come out on top um, and their quarterback would end up uh, saving the day. My reasoning to pick Notre Dame, and I know you've mentioned this before. I haven't really said it very much on the podcast, but I know you've said it before. But this is what I like to call a principal pick because this is a game where every single time that I pick against Notre Dame, with the one exception of we did both pick Cincinnati. I think we both did pick Cincinnati to beat them. Pretty sure we did. I but I picked Notre I bet on Notre Dame. I don't know. You did, I no, I actually, no, I did. I, I, I was the one, because I know I picked Cincinnati in that game. I forgot if you did. But that was the one time where I did that. But now I am convinced that was all my luck filled up. And I just think that this is going to be one of those games where Notre Dame shouldn't win and by some stupid miracle figures it out and wins because that's exactly what happened against Virginia Tech when they had no business winning it and they just they win. And so my only thing, which again, I understand that that could be pessimistic of me or whatever, but I just it just happens. It happens all the time, and I don't want to be on the wrong stick of it. And do I think USC can pull it off? Yes. But are USC's and – and uh, Notre Dame's passing defense pretty comparable. They are. There's only a, I think, three yard difference between their average yards allowed. Yeah, and but, but and 
And I, I totally understand what you're saying because Notre Dame definitely has the coaching advantage in this game. There's no doubt about that. Um, yeah. But I just it's, think – It's in South Bend too, and night whether, game in South Bend. Whether it's Drew Pine or whether it's Jack Cohn or whoever it is, um, the talent advantage, especially on offense, definitely lies with the Trojans. Um, and, and now if their coaching can be anything up to par uh, with what Cincinnati's is now, I think Luke Fickle is a tremendously better head coach than whoever the interim is in, uh, in LA right now. But I just think that they have such a distinct talent advantage on the offensive side of the ball. I, I see it hard uh, for Notre Dame to be able to defend that. And, and if Jack Cohn is in the game, uh, I am almost locking this one up. Uh, so this one is in next up is NC State against Miami. And this is a game where oh. I, I I feel weird about this game because for some reason um I I only see NC State favored by three, which frankly is kind of surprising given how really not good Miami's been. Now these teams actually Miami, average the exact right. same points per game, but the defense for Miami has been far worse than NC State this season way worse of a defense the offenses really are very like it's actually shocking how comparable these offenses are they average nearly the exact same amount passing they average only five yards different rushing per game these teams offensively are really similar but defensively is where it's a totally different game miami has absolutely no defense and i don't know how nc state would lose this game honestly which i knock on wood but i i am pretty confident nc state here I, I'm I'm going with that too. I mean, I think Boston College is probably a better team than Miami this year, and NC they State probably was, are. NC State was able to handle them last week, uh, which I actually we had a pick fight last week, and I won that particular round of the pick fight. Um, I, was, I, I I got the Ole Miss game though. You were very confident about Tennessee. I got the Ole Miss one there. You know what? But I was about three plays away from being right on that game, so I'm not going to hold that one against myself. And uh, true. And and yeah, that's all. We've talked enough about Tennessee Ole Miss for today. Uh, speaking of Tennessee Ole Miss, uh, this game is not going to be nearly as fun, and it's not going to be at Neyland Stadium where people can throw trash on the field. It's going to be in Bryant Denny, where every year on the third Saturday of October, the Vols uh, line up against a. I mean. I don't know how to describe this other than like a father son relationship. It's like lining up in a boxing match against your dad, but also if your dad was Mike Tyson, <laughs> that's a great way to word that. Yeah. I have Alabama pretty clearly in this game. Not really much to say here. Yeah. Tied are going to next roll. up. Um, next up we have West Virginia against TCU. Uh, oh man. I am. <laughs> So tired of DCU just being themselves this year, which I know we've already had our rant we've already talked about. But um, these teams are actually pretty comparable, given the fact that West Virginia has also had a wildly disappointing season. But it's at home, and I I hesitantly think that TCU will pull this out. I'm very anti-confident about TCU anymore, but I think it's also showing in the Texas Tech game that when we play teams that really aren't that good, our offense can sort of run wild. And I think that with that, we can be okay. Because West Virginia's defenses are – I know our defense is horrid. Yes. But I just – I i think we have enough offense to win this game. Because that's what happened with Texas Tech. We won by just pushing 
offense as hard as we could down their throats. And I, I think that may be how this game's going to have to go. Well, West Virginia is throwing the ball pretty well. I think they will be able uh, to move the ball through the air. But we've talked about the weakness of this TCU defense is the fact that they give up 210 <laughs> yards a game in rushing. Uh, horrendous. Um, however, do you want to know who has the worst rushing offense in the Big 12? And it's not Texas Tech, it's not Kansas, and it's not K-State. Wow, it that's would be the Mountaineers of West Virginia, who are actually running the ball for 30 yards less than Kansas a game. God. Um, so that's a pretty that's a good sign for TCU. Um, and like you said, we've seen how TCU is able to kind of use their talent and use their offense and use their outdated coaching schemes uh, to beat up on some of these poorer coached, not as talent, not quite as talented teams in the Big 12. Um, and I think you can put West Virginia right up there with Texas Tech in terms of poor coaching and not enough talent on the field. Uh, and remind you, Texas Tech is coached by none other than Sonny Cumbie on offense. God, <laughs> don't, don't even get me started on him. But um, oh boy, okay. yeah. Let's 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 move on. I don't even need to get into him. Um, next game up, worms right up. Next game up is uh, the one team in the country that has to play Clemson, Notre Dame, and Georgia in the same season because, of course, we do. And uh, I get that's not as difficult as it was preseason, where preseason it was hell, but now it's not as bad and. It's Georgia Tech, and they're playing against Virginia, and it's in Charlottesville, and it's a night game, and we're going to lose. <laughs> I'm going to defer my to you on this because it's kind of – I'm going to – I'm about – I'm this close, and I said this last week. I'm still on the razor's edge from just boycotting the ACC altogether uh, because the two best teams in the conference are Pitt and Wake Forest, and I don't think either of them are particularly good – um, in the national scale of things. So I will defer to you on this particular uh, bottom of the barrel ACC game. Uh, I'm, I'm also going to go with the Cavs. But let's wrap up with another, um, I'm so sorry, bottom of the barrel ACC game. Um, we got Cuse oh. headed to Lane Stadium in Blacksburg to take on the Virginia Tech Hokies, coached by Justin Fuente, who I'm not sure will be there for that much longer. If you had to say over under a year and a half, where would you go on that as far as Justin Fuente's tenure in Blacksburg? It depends on how this season ends. It's been pretty sad so far, given that there was a lot of hype on Virginia Tech finally coming out and winning this division, but it looks like it's pits to lose. Uh, Virginia has a slight chance. They obviously have to win this week, but it, yeah, VT is looking pretty pathetic. It's only one and one, though. That's the other thing. They're only at one and one in the conference. So if they can win some more conference games, they can maybe stand to get in a little bit. But um, yeah, uh, Syracuse is, as I will claim, the best worst team. If you want to talk about a team that, Really is not very good on paper, but if you watch them in a game, it, it's a shocking difference. And so, yeah, Syracuse just has games that they're winnable, that they refuse to win. And Virginia Tech more wins pretty easily or gets kind of smoked. And so 
both these teams are three and three. It's a really weird game. It's really hard to, or well, sorry, three and four is, is Syracuse three and three Virginia Tech. But uh, I, I'm just going to make the claim that Virginia Tech's going to win this game, but Syracuse is going to probably look like the better team the majority of the game and find some way to lose. That's what I think, which is sad and pessimistic. So, that's, that's what I think. You are predicting that Syracuse covers. I honestly, at this point, <laughs> well, what's the spread too? What do you, what do you have for that? Three and a half. The tight one. If we lose our third game or sorry, our, our fourth game in a row by three, I, I don't know what I'll do. I don't know if I can take that. <laughs> well, and it might happen. <laughs> I am also going to pick Syracuse, but I am going to go ahead and cash. I mean, I'm also going to pick Virginia tech. Why did I say Yeah, I was like, but I think I'm also to yeah. going to go ahead and cash in my uh, Dino Babers always covers uh, ticket for this week, um, and the I will free be, card on free space on bingo. And I will. Well, here's the thing: I'm not going to take it this week. I feel like it's been working too well. Eventually, in one of these tight spread games, Dino Babers is not going to cover, and I think it might. This one, and I think it might be close too. I think it might be five as opposed to three. Yeah, and next game's up for Q's is Boston College at Louisville at NC State and Pittsburgh. I'm actually covering three of those games. I'm I'll cover Boston College and Pitt at home, and then I already have a plane ticket and hotel booked, so I'm going to be covering the Louisville game in Kentucky, which will be pretty fun. But um, not not uber confident, but but it'll be a fun game and a cool experience. I know Cardinal Stadium's uh, a fun time. They're actually that's the night that they are retiring Lamar Jackson's jersey happens to be the game I'll be going to. So that will be kind of cool oh. to see that happen. So Yeah, that would be neat. super cool. So sitting on there, but on that. yeah, thank you. It'd be fun. But, but that would ahead. be it for this episode of the Blanky Coverage Podcast. Thanks so much if you're tuning in or listening. You can catch us later this week as we talk about the National Football League. Um, certainly an interesting week. Tighten up. Uh, got a big win uh, that I was very happily wrong about uh, against the Bills in Nashville uh, on, on Monday night. So for now, once again, thank you so much for listening. I am Noah Parker. And I'm Jack Wallace. Peace, Peace out, out y'all.